Hello, welcome back to another episode of It's All Clutter with Jess Marcy. I am Jess Marcy. I am a clutter coach, and I believe that all clutter in our life is connected. A lot of the clutter and connections that we have in our lives relate to mental health, and I am so excited to bring to you a series on mental health issues and how they connect to clutter with my sister. <laughs> So let me introduce Megan Zacker. She is a psychotherapist in upstate New York. She works inside of our clutter decluttering groups, and she supports our members with issues relating to the mental health side of clutter. Megan, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Will you share with everyone a little bit of your history and experience and how you ended up talking to me about clutter and mental health on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it started a long time ago, probably when we were kids. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I am, as Jessica said, I'm a, psycho I'm a psychotherapist. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker um, with my designation R, which, which is my psychotherapy designation. Um, I've been in the field for, God, eons, it feels like now, um, working in the mental health and the addiction setting for at least 15 years. Um, I had a really, really great um, career you know, upward into uh, lots of great mentors, lots of great supervisors. Um, I worked in a training hospital, which was really, really vital, I think, for where I'm at in my career at this point. Um, you know, and this kind of came about working with Jess uh, several years ago when she launched Clutter Boot, uh, Clutter Boss Academy, Clutter Boot. <laughs> well, I did do Clutter Boot Camp. <laughs> when you did your boot camp. Yeah, the first one. And, it, you know, it came up pretty quickly that there's a significant um, link with mental health issues to clutter. Um, and so I think that you and I had been talking about it shortly after you launched. Uh, and you were like, would you mind doing like an educational series? And I said, absolutely, it's not a problem. And, you know, I think it quickly became a thing. And so for the past two years, we have, uh, I get on a call every other week, every week, depends on, depends on the year, depends on the month. Um, and we do some, some education. And, and I think it's been very, very helpful for people to recognize how much their clutter is associated with um, other mental health issues. Um, I think it's, you know, clutter is often a symptom. I think we hear that a lot, especially through, uh, through the Clutter Boss Academy, but it truly is. It is a symptom usually for a larger, larger things that are happening related to your mental health. And so that's, and actually, that's you for a second, Megan, that's talking about clutter as a symptom. It's a very different way of approaching clutter than most other people. Many people consider clutter to be um, a lack of organizational skills, which is yes. totally incorrect. Absolutely. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit more about clutter as a symptom that I love that, that point of view. You know, I think that, um, when you start to look at life events and everything that has happened throughout your life, and then you actually start recognizing how you're feeling, right? Um, you look around you and the, the chaos that is around you is often reflective of the chaos that's going on in your mind. But so often we don't stop and to slow down to say, what's happening with me, right? What's going on up here? What's happening? What am I feeling? You know, what, what is this? What's, what's happening for me? you know, in this, in this world, I think that, you know, mental health is highly stigmatized. And so like, just like clutter, clutter is highly stigmatized, right? And so if we're struggling with our mental health, not really recognizing what we're struggling with, then we look to the clutter to be the thing that we need to fix, right? We need to fix the clutter because once I fix the clutter, then everything else is going to get fixed. 
And actually it's the opposite. It's like, we really need to understand why the clutter is happening and get to the, the, the really the, the, the breadth of, of everything that's underneath all that clutter. Like what, why is it happening? And once we understand that, then we can really move forward, um, really improving our mental health and working on our clutter. So we were going to talk about depression today as the topic of this episode where we talk about mental health connected to clutter. What would, if you were to see somebody who said they were depressed, what would be some of the the common symptoms that they would have that they, you know, where, whereas you say like clutter is a symptom, like what other symptoms would you be looking for when somebody says they're depressed and that, that you would you, like, we expect to be sad, right? Like if, if I'm depressed, I'm sad. But depression could look really different. So absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, um, we, we throw the term depression around loosely in this country. I think that um, that often it is, um, well, I'm depressed. Well, what does that actually mean, right? So when somebody comes in to, and says, I'm, I'm depressed, we really do. We do a diagnostic interview and we actually take a look at what that means for them. So it's really a lot of what what truly are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Um, depression is, is something very significant in this world. It affects a lot of people. Uh, most people in their life are at some point in their lifetime are going to experience an episode of depression. I think that's really, really key because when, when we think about this, it is a, a significant portion of the population that does experience this at some point in their life, but sometimes they don't know what it is that they're experiencing. Um, it's interesting. And, and we're going to get more into like the definition of, you know, of, of depression and those symptoms that you're asking about. But I think it is important that, you know, to, to recognize that women more than men more likely are going to experience depre a depressive episode at some point in their life. I think that's significant. You know, I think that, um, well, also that because we've seen now, okay. So I've worked with in the last two years alone, probably about 20,000 people in across all different groups. And of those say 20,000, I would say less than 50 are men. That's, yeah. that's a pretty, so, so when we talk about depression affecting women more than men, or at least being something that women will, you know, raise their hand and say, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Clutter is also the impact of clutter in your life is as far as I can tell more has a much more dramatic impact on women as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's true. I mean, you know, so typically like one in six people uh, will experience a depressive episode in their lifetime. You know, and, and that, again, that is very significant. And the fact that you have seen of the, the thousands of people that you've seen, the majority of them are women, you know? And so what's that about, right? Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's important to recognize that this does impact women more often than it does men. Um, you know, depression is a very serious, it's, it's a very serious medical, medical illness. You know, I think that we often don't put enough emphasis on how serious it can be and how impactful it can be on somebody's life and in somebody's life. Um, you know, so when you are depressed, right, it is a change in your functioning. It is a, it's a change of feeling. Um, you know, it is often feelings of sadness, feelings of loss of interest in activities. Um, but again, the big part is it's a change in your functioning. So it's a change in the way you were feeling. It's like, I wasn't feeling this and now I am feeling this. So that's the significant piece of depression, you know, so it's okay to, to have these ups and downs and these ebbs and flows. But when it's consistent and it's a significant change from what you are normally like and what you normally feel and what you normally experience, that's when we start talking about depression as a, as a clinical diagnosis. So, you know, talking about some symptoms and, you know, what that experience might be for some people, sad, right? Sad, absolutely. Everybody's like, oh, I feel sad. 
feeling down, feeling depressed, right? Feeling blue um, more often than not. So for any time, any time where we're looking at diagnosing this, these symptoms have had to have been going on for at least two weeks. Um, loss of interest or pleasure in things that you were previously doing, you know, so that activity that, you know, going out every Thursday night to that, to that group that um, you, you were participating in, all of a sudden you have no interest in doing that anymore. So it's a really, it's a lack of motivation, a loss of interest. It affects your physical health, a change in appetite. Um, it could be a weight gain, weight loss, um, and your appetite changes, you know, so recognizing has, has my appetite changed? A change in your sleep pattern. You know, sleep is really, really important. It tells us a lot about what's going on in our minds, you know? So is our sleep being disrupted? Are we, are we sleeping more? Are we unable to get out of bed? Are we not sleeping enough? Are we, you know, trying to fall asleep and then we can't for hours and hours and hours. And, and so our sleep pattern can be very, very disrupted by depression. Um, let's see, uh, feelings of guilt and worthlessness, you know? So you all of a sudden you start feeling like those feelings become much more exacerbated. Um, concentrating and making decisions, being able to focus is a symptom of, of depression, right? When you struggle in those areas, you often people don't think like, oh my God, I'm depressed because I, I'm having difficulty concentrating. They just feel like, my God, why can't I find where I put my keys two minutes ago? You know, like what's going on with me, you know? But they don't recognize that this could be a symptom of depression. Um, feeling it's so fascinating because it, clutter is so connected to all of this. And I would say that the vast majority of people who we are working with have been, have had feelings of depression for much longer than two weeks. And so change in appetite and change in sleeping patterns and inability to focus for a long time are often cited as reasons why we can't declutter. So ADHD, people talk about ADHD and how they, they're diagnosed with it, they think they should be diagnosed with it, and that's why they can't declutter. But this could also be connected to your depression. Um, mm -hmm. It's also really difficult to eat well and to have that appetite for actually creating wholesome food if you have a lot of clutter in your kitchen. So it becomes this cyclic problem, right? Yes. So you yeah. you can't, you don't have the attention to deal with your clutter. It's piling up in your kitchen. You're not eating healthy, mm -hmm. which is making you feel worse. Then your depression, your symptoms of depression are getting more extreme and yes. the clutter is still piling up. And right. you can't sleep because you're, now your bedroom has a lot of clutter in it, a lot of stuff in it. It's making you feel uncomfortable. It's it's just, the whole, everything feels like it takes a tremendous amount of effort and you're feeling worse and worse and worse. Right, right. I mean, it's really like what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? And I don't think it really makes a difference what came first, the chicken or the no. egg. Because at the end of the day, it, it's all affected by everything, right? So every the clutter is affected by the depression. The depression is affected by the clutter. Everything that we're talking about is impacted by the way we're feeling and the things that are around us, you know? And so I think that that is a, it's a really important point that you make right there, you know? Um, working through the depression can definitely help you start working through the clutter. Working through the clutter can help you start working through the depression. Right, and there's I, not a right way to do this. There, there are is not a right way to do this. Depression. It's like you just start, you know, start somewhere. And we always talk about starting somewhere. Um, and I think one that that's- minute. Do something for one minute. Yeah, right. Well, it can change, it can, it can, it can lead to the change that you want. Yep, start somewhere. Um, you know, I think it's really important too when we talk about depression. You know, when if somebody's saying like I feel depressed, I, I feel down, obviously the very first thing that you should do is talk to a professional, right? I mean, I think that that's that's really important. 
Um, depression can also mimic other physical health issues. And I think that that's key too, right? So you might have other physical health stuff going on that you might not realize. And so it's, it is important when you're, when you're feeling these feelings to go talk to and seek medical help. Um, test, you know, doctors will test for thyroid conditions. They'll test for vitamin deficiencies. Um, you know, so it's, it is really important that you have a, a full workup when you're, when you're working on and looking at dealing with your depression. So Meg, what's the first thing? So when people, you know, if, if you're depressed, if you mm -hmm. feel depressed mm -hmm. and you don't even know where to start and the idea of even going to a doctor sounds too overwhelming or picking up a piece of clutter and tackling it and making a decision feels too overwhelming. What's your best advice for somebody who is in that position? So, you know, I think that we've seen this a lot in your group is that people really, they, they join your clutter group because they want to do something, right? And so it's in, it's in that moment that they're feeling a slight little bit of motivation to, to make a change, right? They can't do this anymore. It's frustrating. So they join, right? And that's where they start to really look at the support of the group that is around them. Um, and really, they begin to be able to reflect on what's happening for them. Um, so for somebody who has absolutely zero motivation, can't bring themselves to do anything, I and mean, that's a significant concern, Jess, like if somebody is that depressed, right? Right. When we talk about depression, we, we it really, it's, it's kind of a spectrum. You know, you, you can be mildly depressed, but you can also be severely depressed. And so there's a range. And so when you look at those symptoms, and if you're at a place where you absolutely can't move forward, right, that is, a, that is need for um, absolute medical intervention immediately, you know? If you're somewhere in the middle of that range where, you know, maybe you join the clutter group, but maybe you're, you joined it and you'll join a call now and then, but you're not fully ready to engage because you're just not that motivated yet. Jumping on that one call, maybe a week, jumping on one call a month, whatever it is that you're doing, it's ultimately going to help you build on that. Or even posting into the group, right? So we say community crushes right. clutter. That's one of our little Jessisms or hashtags or whatever <laughs> they are. Um, Knowing you're not alone, that's what I have witnessed throughout all of this. The, probably one of the most surprising outcomes from starting face doing work with clutter on Facebook inside of groups has been the power, the absolute power of community and just knowing you are not alone. There is so there are so many people mm -hmm. in the world who are experiencing what you are experiencing, and you don't need to be alone on this journey. So, and often people feel that they're alone. People feel that they don't, other people don't understand what they're going through, right? And so I think that the, what you're saying about communities is, tr is truly very, very powerful is because you do get to experience people who are going through the same exact thing that you're going through. And it's almost like a light bulb goes off in your head. And it's like, oh my God, like somebody actually understands me. So this might be the first time in forever that you feel understood, you feel heard, you feel listened to, somebody else on the other end gets me. You know, and I think that um, you, what you what you guys do when you say post, right? Um, social media can be a really, really great thing. Having a private group can be a really, really great thing because it puts distance, right? When you're not ready to open your mouth or to say something out loud, you can write things. Sometimes it's a lot easier for people to go down that road versus having to be present, you know, on the screen with their camera on saying something. Um, and it's semi-anonymous also. We've actually... Yeah. Some of the conversations that we've had recently inside some of the groups has been about how much closer you become to people 
inside our Facebook groups because of the anonymity to begin with. So you will share something that you wouldn't necessarily tell somebody who has known you for a long time because there might be judgment attached to it, right? Yeah. So if you have, right, if you have a relationship with another person and you've been in that relationship for many years and you share how you're feeling with them, there, there's a pattern, a, his, a history there, right? And, mm -hmm. and it might not have the outcome that you desire, but you can actually can feel a lot more comfortable being somewhat anonymous in a group and sharing, knowing that you're in a, a judgment-free group, nobody else is going to see this and that you are going, just knowing you're going to get support with whatever you post mm -hmm. can actually open up the door for a lot more vulnerability mm -hmm. and a lot more support and a lot more growth. Right. And just, I want to just put this out there. If you are not in our groups, we have many different groups at many different price points. So mm -hmm. This is a business, but we are in the business of helping you. You don't you there's many ways that you can get help and support through our groups, but you don't have to go through our groups. Find a group that resonates with you in person, online, whatever it is, mm -hmm. that is judgment free, that is going to be supportive, and consider just taking that first step and joining, right? It doesn't have to be my groups, although we do have amazing groups. But there's a lot of options. Find a hobby that you like, find a group to with that with that hobby, and find some friends and support in there. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways to get help and support through community. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that what you bring up about judgment-free is, is really very key, right? So for so long, so many people are judged by not just the way they feel, but their clutter, you know, if we're talking specifically about the clutter. And so the second that they start um, in an anonymous way, you know, talking about some of the struggles that they've been going through, and when they get that feedback that is completely non-judgmental, right? It's huge. It, it can be very, very life-changing because now what you've known your whole life of being judged based on things, people are starting to come at you differently in a very non-judgmental way. And so it allows you, like you said, to be more vulnerable and to open up a little bit more, you know, and then hopefully it gets you to that place, place where you can turn your camera on, you know, you can say, Hey, this is, you know, it's, it's Megan here, you know, and I want to talk to you about what's going on with me today, you know? Um, and, and for a lot of people, I think in your groups that we've witnessed that that has actually happened. That's been the transformation. Um, is that once they become comfortable, they recognize that, you know, I'm not going to be judged for things that I say. I'm not going to be judged for the clutter that I have around me. People are supportive. They understand in a very different way than anybody else has ever understood me. Um, they do start doing that. You know, they start turning their cameras on. They start speaking up. They start asking questions. Um, and then they really, you start seeing a lot of changes within them. My favorite is when, so this is definitely the trajectory here you show up, you maybe like, comment, then you share a post, mm -hmm. then you're on a call, but no camera on. Then one day we get to see your face, right? So it's like, oh, okay, this is, hi, <laughs> this is what you actually look like. And then eventually we actually see a physical change in the way somebody shows up now. It's not like they've lost mm -hmm. weight or they have, you know, dyed their hair they look like a different person because they're, higher, their affect is a little bit different. Yes. They're feeling they're a little glowing. bit better. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah, this is that... not overnight. This is not an overnight change. This is a, no, there's a misnomer about, I think both tackling depression and tackling clutter that it all can happen overnight. You can, you know, have a quick fix and you can show up tomorrow morning and everything's different. But in actuality, it's taken a very long time to get to this point. And it's going to take a long time to get out of this point. But mm -hmm. every step that you make moving forward, whether it's just one minute of decluttering, one comment on a post, 
one smile, one, you know, supporting somebody else uh, mm -hmm. is going to get you to that end goal faster mm -hmm. than doing nothing. Right. And, you know, and you have, I think within your groups is that what you see also is that you have people at different levels, right? Who are basically at different points in their journey with clutter um, and often can reflect on what it was like for them when they first started out. I think that that's tremendously helpful for people to see that, okay, somebody else was here before too. You know, they started at this place where I'm at right now and look where they are today. You know, well, our um, success stories are still in our groups, right? So we yes. it's not like you hear a success story and never see the person again because the they, they remain. They remain. They it's it's so it's um it's I, the supportive it. community. And and I think that community. people want give it up. once that they once they have recognized that they have made this change, that they have made such progress over however however long it's been that they've been in the group. Um, they want to help people. They want other people to have that same experience, you know, and so they're constantly trying to pull other people up with them, um, which is really, really, really powerful to have that in your groups. So, yeah, it's it's been a it's a wonderful experience for everybody to, to uh, participate in. So come on, guys. <laughs> Just say hi. <laughs> Just say hi. Just say hi. We want we genuinely want to support your journey. So, Mig, any other um, talking about depression, any other insights? You know, I mean, you've worked in addictions for a very long time. Mm -hmm. In some sense, ha keeping clutter around you can also be an addictive behavior. Um, mm -hmm. I guess I mean, I, I didn't know if we were going to talk about that, but we could talk about that. Yeah, we, we can definitely talk about that. I mean, yeah, I mean, clutter can, so clutter can be so many different things. You know, it can be protective. Um, I have, I have found that a lot of times people who have a lot of clutter around them, it's really like a safety blanket, um, likely for a lot of trauma that they've experienced in their life. People who have addiction issues, right? Um, it's very, very similar. Often they also have a, tr a tremendous amount of trauma in their life, right? So you become more obsessive and compulsive about purchasing, about buying things, um, you can often be looking to fill a void, right? This, there's this emptiness that I'm, I'm constantly trying to, to fill. And so I often go out there and I buy things. I don't recognize that for the moment, right? It feels pretty good. Like it's, you know, retail therapy, right? Retail therapy is amazing for about five minutes. And then you get home and you're like, oh, I'm just adding it to the pile. And it loses that, that value that it had for that very short period of time. The interesting thing about retail therapy as, a, as an addiction, as opposed to other addictions, is that it's also very easy to tell yourself that what you're doing is to benefit somebody else, right? So, or what you're, I mean, what you're doing is to benefit you or somebody else. Whereas mm -hmm. like in other addictions, you know, you know that you're not benefiting, but it's addictive, right? Mm -hmm. But in this case, you can totally justify buying something because, you know, somebody in your family needs it, or if you buy it, your life is going to be easier. So there's a lot of justification Absolutely. around this sort of addictive behavior and not that everybody with clutter has shopping addiction but there are that is another big link that we see. it's definitely high, uh, there's a definite higher correlation um between the two so yeah i mean people definitely struggle with that you walk into a store you know I've, we've seen a various um differences amongst people in, in the group right you know so you have people who it's the retail therapy. It's like, I'm out at the store and this is going to make me feel better in this moment. And then you have people who actually walk into the store and have this compulsion to purchase and cannot walk out of the store without, without having to purchase something, you know? So it's, 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 it's interesting the few different ways that, that, that addiction can take you. And again, not everybody has, has that experience. Um, some people don't at all. 
Um, we, we have a lot of people who have, um, are addicted to thrift stores, right? So it's right. Or like, or, uh, garage sales, estate sales, yes. um, Facebook yeah. marketplace, all of that, uh, we call it the thrill of the chase, right? The thrill of the hunt. Like sure, sure. I'm gonna get a great deal. Uh, I, mean, I can justify yeah. this because it's a great deal. You know, and then you you justify it because it is a great deal, right? And so why do I need that that t-shirt that's gonna be number four thousand and five in my collection, right? You know, like, well I got it for deal. 35 cents. So you know, so a lot of justification happens when you go to thrift thrift stores when you are looking at estate sales in a very different way than buying at full price, right? Um, so people really, really struggle in those areas. And so the group really um, helps get everybody onto the same page about that and, and teaches you guys how to how to handle that. Well, and one of the basic principles that I teach throughout all the groups is, and all the work I do and always have done with, with my clients when I was in person in their homes and, and now online, stop the flow in. <laughs> we're going to take a little break from purchasing. We're and or even not purchasing. We're going to take a break from getting free stuff, right? We're just going to take a break from things right. to the house. Right. right. Yeah, and it's really really can be very difficult for some people to do that, but the second they have the support of the community behind them, they're much more likely to to make that change. Even if it's for a short period of time, because once you do it for a short period of time, it's likely that it's going to get extended for a much longer period of time once they see the change that's being made. Um, I think, you you know, you also need to consider, um, you know, when we're talking about depression um, and clutter and you need to consider what, what those risk factors are, you know, what, what are the other factors that can play a role in depression? I think environmental factors are huge, right? I mean, we're constantly looking at environmental factors. What did you grow up in? What was, what was your exposure to, to somebody else who had a clutter, clutter issue, right? Uh, what was your exposure to, um, to trauma, to violence, to, you know, just stressful, stressful environments, um, poverty, right? Poverty is a huge factor that plays yeah. a role in depression, but also in clutter. You know, you have people who have grown up in impoverished situations who now have access and the means to go ahead and, and purchase things for themselves. And it's very, very difficult to let go of those items once they do that because of the environments that they grew up in. You know, so there's a lot of factors that play into both the depression and the clutter, right? And so here you go, we're talking about that cycle, right? Hand in hand. <laughs> Um, you know, genetics can also play a huge role um, in, in depression. If you have a, a family member who is uh, clinically depressed, you are much more likely to also suffer from depression at some point in your life. You know, I mean, that is a fact. That is a very well studied fact. Um, you know, so so looking at that, you know, what what were you growing up with? Were you growing up with a, a depressed parent, a depressed sibling? Um, what was that like for you? And, and how can that potentially affect you as well? Um, you know, so thinking about, you know, your, your biochemistry, you know, chemicals in your brain, right? Um, sometimes there's an imbalance and there, that's, that's all there is to it. And you have to, you have to recognize that. And so seeing a psychiatrist can really be helpful in terms of medications and getting on medications that can fix that imbalance that you are experiencing. Um, so there's lots and lots of different factors that play into the depression and, 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 the, and the clutter as well. So personality, you know, what are, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? You know, is the glass half empty or is it half full? How do you see the world can, can really affect um, the way you experience depression and clutter, right? Yeah. If the, if the world is wonderful and everything's great and, you know, you have a very high self-esteem, you're less likely to suffer from depression and from a clutter issue. 
true story. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but if you experience a a lower self-esteem and, you know, you're easily overwhelmed, then you're much more likely to to struggle with um, periods of depression. And that's okay. That's not, that's not an inherently bad thing. If you can get support around that, then that's, you know, that's totally okay. We love you for who you are. (laughs) We're going to work with you. Absolutely. No matter what, again, everybody's road is different, right? Everybody's road is different, but the people around you who have experienced similar things can really be helpful. So, and that's where, where the help comes in. Um, You know, I think, uh, we talk about being in the winter right now. We're in the middle. We're in the middle of the winter, right? The world is, at least in upstate New York, is pretty gray. <laughs> Literally, it ain't sunny out, but for the past several days, it's been pretty gray. And, and so you, cold. It's cold. And cold. And cold. You know, so getting out there, exercising, can be difficult. Things which are things that obviously can help improve depression. All right, things that we can do during the winter are kind of uh, are stunted because of the the weather around us. Um, you know, some people will say that I have the winter blues, right? And this is a seasonal this is depressive disorder. Wait, seasonal depressive seasonal seasonal affective disorder, right? Affective disorder, right? Ironically, and, ironically and, it's an acronym that's sad. <laughs> so actually, so we have that acronym for sad. Also, standard American diet is often referred to as sad. <laughs> All of these things kind of ironic, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> But I mean, that's a a seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. And I think that people sometimes don't recognize that, hey, every fall slash winter, you know, as we're leading into those shorter days, my mood drastically changes. You know, I start feeling down. I start feeling a little unmotivated. And, you know, the shorter days, the less sunlight really, truly affects us. And then we get the holidays at that same time. And it's just a total recipe for disaster. You just throw it all together and that's it. (laughs) Absolutely. But these are all treatable things, right? I mean, depression is a treatable illness, right? And I think that that sometimes people... And clutter is a treatable symptom. It is. It is. You know, and so but sometimes people really struggle with with seeking help, you know? And so I'm here to tell you, seek help, reach out to somebody, you know, say I'm struggling. People are very, very receptive to that. Yes. People actually genuinely want to help you and they want to know how to help you. And oftentimes we're just at a loss. We don't know how to help other people. So you're doing somebody a favor by saying, this is how I'm feeling. Is there any way that you can help me? You're giving them an opportunity to help. And Likewise, you can then help them in the future. So, which also really makes you feel good. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, we're coming to the end of a half an hour, which is, you know, I typically like to keep these around 30 minutes. Yeah, so no, I think that's great. I mean, I think click on them and watch them. <laughs> <laughs> I think let's just quickly like talk about some things that you can actually do. Okay. Right? Yes. That's a great idea. <laughs> so, you know, I think like I just mentioned, right. We, the winter can really hinder our ability to get out there and exercise, but regular exercise can really, really help mitigate your depressive symptoms, right? Your, your mood can improve tremendously when you, when you exercise proper diet, right? Eating, eating can really affect the way you feel. Um, talking to people, right? Can get out there, talk to people, sleep. What's the quality of your sleep? We already talked about sleep, but sleep, making sure critical. that you're able to it's get critical. sleep is critical. Um, a- avoiding alcohol, right? Alcohol is a depressant. If we're feeling depressed and we drink alcohol, we're likely to feel more depressed. 
right? So recognizing some of these things that we can do to, to make very small changes that can actually have a huge impact. Seeking, seeking help, like Jess is just saying. Um, psychotherapy, it's, it's huge. If you need to talk to somebody, go talk to somebody. There are plenty of therapists out there right now. It's real, real easy to access people um, online. Everything is, a lot of things are doing, are, are being done virtually right now. Um, so there's a, a lot of different apps that you can jump on, um, that aren't that expensive, um, that really I think mental health treatment or access to mental health treatment has improved. There's new avenues. And I honestly think that the pandemic has been a really, you know, in hindsight, in some ways it's, it's been a, a blessing in disguise because we have really looked at how can we do things virtually? Whereas before it was very traditional, you must come in, sit in front of me and we're going to do a traditional psychotherapy session. That's changed. You know, I, you can, you can be in your living room while the other person is in an office somewhere or in their home office. You know, it's, it really has um, given people a lot more access uh, in a lot of ways to, to uh, mental health treatment. Um, so really, really seeking, seeking that help. Um, there are lots of apps. Headspace is, is a great app, um, you know, that can help with meditation and get you like really thinking about how to, how do I meditate? It can, it teaches you, it, you know, it gives you the exact guide that you step need. Step by step. Day step one. by step, you know, and, and meditation and meditation is huge. You know, it can really, really be very, very helpful. So there are all these, all these things that you can do. Um, but if you don't know where to start, just ask. That's the best place. Say, Hey, ask, ask somebody for help. Yep. I and need support. Day, what can I do? How can you help me? How can I find help? And at the end of the day, if your depression um, is severe, right, there is also medication as an option. And so don't ever think that there's not, right, because medication is, is always an option. And that is definitely something that you and your physician should talk about. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So many mm -hmm. options. So many options. Just ask. <laughs> we will guide you and help you get to the place that you need. Yes, absolutely. We are. We really are here for you. If you um, if you're interested in joining one of my groups or programs, you can look at Jess Marcy, J-E-S Marcy. At, I'll put it, I'll drop it into the comments. Um, we're here for you. Moving forward. So Megan and I have a couple of different podcast episodes in this little mini series set up. So we are also going to be talking about in the future, grief and clutter, trauma and clutter, ADHD and clutter. And did we have another one? I can't remember now. I think that was it. Our mental health series. <laughs> it is our mental health series. Yes. You talk about anxiety and clutter, but that, I mean, that's also, well, we could just keep going. There's so many connections. <laughs> so if you are interested in one of those topics, or if you have another topic that you want to hear while I have Megan's attention for the next month, please comment on this video. Let me know. I will do my best to create an episode around that. And if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. It really helps us keep our content free and available to everyone. If you're on a different platform, leave us a review. Do whatever you need to do. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I'm really excited about this series. I feel like this is such yes. a, a critical thing to be talking about. And so often we just don't recognize how clutter impacts every area of our life. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. So thank yeah, you. Too. You're welcome. You guys have a good All right. day. So until next time, thank you so much for watching. And we will see you on the next episode of It's All Clutter. Bye, Bye everyone. Everybody.